welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It, episode 117. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell, we have, I think, what's going to be a fun topic, yet another what-if, a complete hypothetical. I don't know, lately we've been thriving off of these, so why not just keep the ball rolling? And this week we're going to do... Uh, a little bit of a switcheroo. We've done this before. We're doing it with a plot point, though. We're doing it with a story as well as characters. We're going to take the events of Caretaker, and we're going to explore how the other captains besides Janeway might have handled them. Would it be different? Would the outcome be uh, the same, or would it ultimately result in them getting home? Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting premise, and I think that you had some inspiration for this, correct? I did. I can't take full credit for this. I was browsing Reddit last night in the Star Trek subreddit, and somebody had the idea of what would Captain Garrett do if she had been taken by the caretaker and had to deal with those events unfolding and made a great kind of case for why it would be a little different, because Captain Garrett is a more experienced commander, she's got a different temperament, she's not quite as science-based, and so that kind of inspired me to think, well, what would some of the other captains in our Star Trek universe do with this? And I proposed it to you, and you said, yeah, good idea, let's go. And so I do not remember the person on Reddit who started that thread, I don't remember the username because I was just browsing I wish I would have taken note, and I'm sorry. So if you're out there and you happen to be listening, thank you for the inspiration for this idea. Yes, but we will not be covering Captain Garrett of the Enterprise C. We're just going to be taking the premise of, like, which we do all the time, of what would this captain do in this situation. And right. uh, so I'm pretty excited to talk about it. We kind of did something similar to this with Cisco, but I think we could do it from a different kind of uh, mentality like we, we when we did a we did a premise of what would cisco be like in voyager like what would his situation be and so we kind of wrote Correct. a situation around it around him and around the situation of of how cisco would be on voyager and i think we came up with that he designed the intrepid class and so he needed to be on its maiden voyage for yes. some reason and uh and then then he gets trapped in, in the in the delta quadrant and so i think we can kind of forego that aspect of it and really focus heavily on exactly what he would do as Cisco in the caretaker situation. Would they go home? Would they not? That kind of thing. And so I think we can come back to that. But like barring Janeway, we've got, so like let's start in uh, in temporal order here. So we got Archer, we got Kirk, we got Picard, we've got Cisco. And are we actually, are we going to touch on Discovery? Like, are we going to touch on, like, who would we do, Pike from this <laughs> Discovery? Or what would we do? That's the ultimate question, right? Which Discovery captain do we want to choose? <laughs> it depends on which season, I guess. It may be, I don't know. I, I want to gravitate, of course, toward Pike because he is my favorite. Sorry, Lorca, but Pike is just amazing. <laughs> Anson Mount is amazing. Behind that, I would say Saru, but... I don't know. When we get there, we get there. 
We'll get there. We'll do that one last. We'll do discovery last. Okay. So, th- yeah, that's the premise. So, I think what we can do is we can kind of establish... I don't think we really do... Okay, so here's the thing. Here's yeah. the question. Yeah. Is it... Let's let's start with Archer. So, is it Archer on Voyager or is it Archer and the NX-01 crew in this situation? Oh, that's a really good thing to establish because we have done, you know, we have, as you mentioned, we have done those switcheroos where we put the captains on different ships. I think for the sake of being a little different, let's make it the NX-01. Let's make it his ship, his crew, and I want to say let's make it the pilot of this respective show. So instead of Broken Bow, the events of Caretaker are the pilot for Enterprise. That makes sense? Oh, okay, okay. Hmm, so we're doing a season one Archer. The moment he goes out to explore the unknown, he gets pulled to the Delta Quadrant. That is really, really interesting. Okay, so that's that's <laughs> a uh, drastic. <laughs> that's that's an element that I, I I did not foresee. So that's that's going to be fun. That's going to be that's going to be either really constructing or very cool. So let's figure it out. Let's see what goes. Okay, so let's just start with Archer. Let's kind of put ourselves in the head of Jonathan Archer. He's just been approved to go out on the first Warp 5 ship to explore strange new worlds, see what's out there, make peace and first contact, all of that good stuff. And uh, as Harry says in Caretaker, and on my first mission, (laughs) (laughs) he's not going to die necessarily, but he's pulled to a completely remote part of space. And there is absolutely no way a Warp 5 ship is going to get them home in their lifetimes. Now what? What would be interesting is, like, obviously, like, this is from a purely academic exercise. This is not like, oh, this would make good television or, like, this would make a good series or this would be weird marketing. We're not doing it from that way. The, no. like, the aspect that we're talking about is purely academic because from this standpoint, like, let's say that it's marketed the same. It's got the same promos where it's like, wherever you will go, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> And and like like he goes and gets a Hoshi. He meets T'Pol for the first time. They get the Klingon. They're on the ship. Then all of a sudden, bam, bam, they're in the Delta Quadrant. That's a freaking weird show because you're just like, what it the really hell is. Am, what the hell am I watching? What is going on here? Right. We're not Nebraska anymore. I think that would be interesting in itself. Like, what would the show look like if you had a Klingon on board? Like they like <gasps> they had to keep yeah. the Klingon. I oh my his gosh! Name. Yes. Yeah, let's say they get pulled with a Klingon. Holy crap, that right there puts an enormously different dynamic on the NX-01. And it has nothing to do even with the caretaker. No, not at all. And I think what's fascinating from this is from Archer's perspective, as you said, like the first Warp 5 ship, first to go out there, and now he's the first human to be in the Delta Quadrant. And he's like, I didn't think we were going to go this far. God damn <laughs> Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, honestly, I wonder, is this going to scare the crap out of Archer, realizing, were we really ready for this? Maybe the Vulcans were right. We had no idea what we were dealing with. And now we're so far away from home, we're very likely never going to see it again. Also, scientifically, how much do they know about things like wormholes? mm -hmm. I mean, do they lose hope right away? Or, I mean, of course, he's going to beg the caretaker to bring them back home. But I think if you're going to keep the premise uh, or the outcome of the show, essentially, they have to stay. 
Well, I think that's okay. Here's the thing: is that like we're not. That's not part of the exercise. Like we don't have to keep the premise of the show. It's what Archer would do in that situation, not yeah, like well, okay. how the show would look or or anything like that. And I think that's the thing. Like you mentioned, like oh, Archer would beg the caretaker. I think we need to revise that. Archer would yell till his voice was gone <laughs> at the caretaker. Angry Archer is really angry because dang it, this is not what he signed up for. So do you think he would find a way to convince the caretaker to send them home or would he just force it? Would, let's say the caretaker dies and instead of defending the Ocampa from the Kazon, Archer just says, set up the equipment, let's get our asses out of here. I think season one Archer, like I think season one Archer, the mentality of the show, it's 2001, Mm -hmm. 2001, I think Archer, what he would do, I was going to save this for Cisco, <laughs> but I think he would, he'd scream his lungs out to the caretaker. The caretaker would die. And I think Archer would, I think he would get the crew back, quote unquote, home. I think he'd get back to the Alpha Quadrant. But I think he would, tr- he, like, because there, there's that whole thing where everybody's just like, well, why didn't, why didn't Janeway just time a bomb? You know, like, like you know, sure. like leave a bomb at the array uh-huh. and then like set it for 30 seconds after they use it to go home or something like that. Like, why didn't they do that? A perfectly valid argument, by the way. That is a very valid argument. And we're huge Voyager and Janeway fans. But I think that's what Archer would do. I really do. I think Archer would just set a timer. He said, it's like, like Malcolm would come and said like, hey, I totally have an idea. Oh, I like it. He would do what maybe you would argue Janeway should have done. But that's kind of the thing is... Janeway, as a scientist and a commander, is thinking one way. She didn't think about that. Therefore, it did not happen. But Archer has the people around him to suggest that, make it happen. So they come back. They make it back to Earth. And he, (laughs) I think Archer's report is going to be pretty astonishing. You went where? And what happened? Yeah. And this is your first mission. Wow. I mean, people are going to be a little weirded out, don't you think? I think so. And I also think that this would probably be the the time. Like, you know how at the end of season three and at the beginning of season four, Archer was talking to uh, Captain Hernandez and saying, like, bring the phasers, bulk up the torpedoes, do whatever you can. And she's just like, I don't want to take a warship. And he's like, you need a warship in order to to you know save yourself and save your crew i feel like this would kind of be the beginning of that like once they got back archer would be like we need to kind of bulk up our our stuff here we need like we are not ready we're not ready for what's coming because the kazon can't even replicate water and yet they spanked us you know with their you know <laughs> they spanked the nx01 you know like that kind of thing so i feel like that's kind of where he would be that would be his stress point after caretaker and also before they leave, I think T'Pol would be the one to say uh, it's not... I think she would raise the whole prime directive concerns because Archer doesn't have a prime directive. They don't have a prime directive. So I think T'Pol would be the one to say, like, listen, we can't risk it. We got to make sure that it's destroyed while we're here. And also, hey, you know, like, we're explorers. Let's let's just make our way back. And Archer's like, that's easy for you to say because no matter how long it takes us, you'll still be alive. We won't. (laughs) Yeah, I think Archer is going to think of this much more narrowly where he does not have a choice. They must come back. Right, right. This is not our mission. So you think Archer, though, would be more on the side of... He would err on the side of caution because 
we need to be ready for the unknowns out there. I think he would be much more cautious as a result of being pulled so far away. What other bigger forces out there are out to get us? Mm -hmm. I think either way, though, the outcome is, even with a Warp 5 ship, boy, we've really got to slow our roll here. We've got to be extremely careful and cautious. Let's gain intelligence on uh, new species before we make contact. Let's know what we're getting into. Like, They're going to start thinking a little more on the side of a prime directive right away, realizing yeah. we have to have procedures in place. Otherwise, we're going to land ourselves in trouble we're not going to get out of really quick. That's exactly what I was going to add to the conversation. I said it was like, <laughs> if Caretaker happened instead of Broken Bow there would have been a conversation of, holy crap, we need some sort of prime directive. We need some sort of ruling principle about interfering with other cultures because that is a master class in the prime directive gray area because I, I feel like that actually would have been Archer's way to get out of it because, because he didn't have the prime directive in Caretaker, he'd be thinking differently where he would say, listen, it's not our fight. Federation, like, not Federation, but like Starfleet has no business being here in the first place. We were drawn in against our will. That's right. up to the that's up to the Ocampa, that's up to the the Kazon. That's up to them to figure it out. None of this involves us and so we're just going to get home. Like yeah. he would even if if we weren't here, he was going to die anyway. True. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So, we're just erroneous guests in the midst and we're piecing out. Right. That's yeah. I think that's I think that's what would happen. I think Malcolm would want to blow stuff up. Paul <laughs> would say like this is a prime directive issue, we need to stay and Archer would say BS. We have no business being here. Malcolm, blow it up. Let's go. That's Well, that's their compromise is if they at least destroy yeah. the array so the Kazon can't take over it. They've leveled the playing field enough while also saving their own butts. Mm -hmm. Happy of All a right. situation as can be, even though it's not happy. But hey, <laughs> also, they're not going back to the Delta Quadrant anytime soon. They have no idea the fallout, what's going to happen. Right. right. Frankly, Archer's going to see that, I think, is none of their business. Paul's going to object. But Archer's going to say too bad. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to TOS. So this is the first episode of, of a, TOS where where no one has gone before, where we really are on the outer fringes of the galaxy here. So we're talking Kirk version here. We're not talking Kirk. We're not talking TOS Pike. We're talking TOS Kirk. Yeah, yeah, not TOS Pike. Maybe Disco Pike, but we'll get there. Yeah. So this is TOS Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Boom. First episode. This is a hell of a first episode for TOS. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a very sci-fi out there concept, right? You're getting pulled across the galaxy to strange unknowns and they're being brought there to replace the caretaker. Mm -hmm. Okay, this, this really kind of goes against a lot of what makes TOS TOS in a way because usually Kirk is going to do one of two things he's either going to talk down the godlike figure and strip it for its its godliness and make it fall or mm -hmm. he's going to just take him down in a physical fist fight well the caretaker's dying we can't do the latter so is kirk going to have a conversation with the caretaker kind of like janeway did where the caretaker is saying, look, I need somebody to replace me. These accompans, they're children. And Janeway says, well, children need to grow up. Can you imagine Kirk saying something like that? Yes, I can actually. Yeah, I, I can think, too. I, That's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, I think Kirk would. I think Kirk would have the exact same conversation 
as Janeway. But like Kirk would just do it in his very Kirk way. You know, he would just be of like, course. like kids need to grow up. You know, like they need to, they need to evolve. They need to grow, and they're not, they're not going to be able to do that with you. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, they like might surprise you with their ingenuity once they're on their own. Yeah, and so I think yeah, he would definitely have one of his speeches. But I feel like, <laughs> I think Kirk. Like if this was caretaker in the '60s, and we don't want to change it too much because we wanted the we wanted the same kind of situation. Yeah, I feel like if it was the same situation, but yet in a 1960s mentality, I think I think Kirk would win it all. I, I think that's the, that's the thing. I, I think Kirk would have the same. He would get the elements. He would get the great elements of everybody. Like he would he would have the same speech of Janeway, and. The caretaker would die. I feel like he would. Def- I think he would defeat the Kazon. You're saying exactly what's running through my mind. I think he would disable the Kazon so that they're not going to interfere with the Okampa, but they would also get themselves out of there. But he wouldn't destroy the array. I think he would defeat the Kazon, and then figure out a- like you'd figure out a way to defeat the Kazon, and then give the Okampans the array. And say like, here you oh, go. Oh, you think. That's what I think. I think it's your turn to grow up. It's your turn to use the technology. Figure it out on your own. We're going home. Oh, I really like that idea. Is it ethical, though? Does it actually follow a prime directive (laughs) of the day? I mean, I think it's very TOS, and therefore I do feel like it fits, but I've got to question it anyway. Well, what about it is unethical to you? Let's start with there. Well, I mean, is giving the array violating the prime directive? Well, it's interesting because you could worm it around where TOS could bend the, uh, I think Kirk could bend the rules by saying, we weren't asked to be here. We were defending ourselves from the Kazon. We were fired upon first. And so we were just defending ourselves. The caretaker's dead. He's the one who brought us here. But it was also his last wish to help the Okampans. And so since we're not supposed to be here and he's dead, does that absolve us from helping out the Ocompans? I mean, it was his original wish. That's what the that's what the technology exists in the first place. We're now just blah, 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 blah. I think you could do any kind of mental hurdles or mental... What's the term I'm looking for? Thank you, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I think you could do as many mental gymnastics as you need to to justify it. And I think that's what Kirk's specialty is. Uh, is that's true. Taking the prime directive, recognizing it, and saying, well, because of A, B, and C, it doesn't really pertain to this situation. Right. Okay. Yeah, and seeing as how they are so far removed from home base, I think Kirk can argue it's not our responsibility to take care of these people. I think in a TOS fashion, you would have an Ocompan leader talking with Kirk toward the end, saying, we'll find a way to take care of ourselves. We will try to understand the caretaker's technology use it for our benefit, we'll be okay. We'll figure this out. Don't you yeah. worry, Captain Kirk. Yeah, exactly. And that would give that would give the very TOS moment where Kirk wins the day, but also gifts the lesser than. Yes, um, so true. Technology and knowledge. Right, right. And then so then the children will find a way to grow up. All is well. And then meanwhile, the last thing they do is they use the array to send them back. The Ocompans mm-hmm. wave, wish them well, and that's the end of it. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that's TOS. TNG, Picard. This is going to be a difficult one. Yeah, this is. Because Picard is going to have a really good conversation with the caretaker. But how is he going to handle the Kazon? My first... 
with the Kazon, I think he would be, it would be strict with the Prime Directive. I think Picard would be very strict, like letter of the law. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. I mean, we have to remind ourselves, folks, that Picard is the man who was willing to watch civilizations die in front of him because he could not interfere due to the Prime Directive. This is a man who holds fast to the principles of the Federation, even if we deem it immoral. But Picard is also, in many people's eyes, the most moral captain we've ever (laughs) seen. It's true. A thought just occurred to me. Would this story be a little different in that he would make as much peace with the Kazon as he could by giving them water and saying, if we give you water, you leave the Okampa alone? Now, that's not going to work. No, I don't think that would happen at all. No? I kind of feel like that would be that everybody wins TNG, like really early, season one TNG situation where the humans are the heroes and... You know, everything has to be perfect in Utopia. I, I think with se- I think with season one, spe- if we're if, that, if that's what we're doing specifically, season one, episode one of TNG. It's not Encounter at Farpoint. It is totally. It's it is. This. It is caretaker. I think like if we adjusted it a little bit so that we would get Jordy, Crusher, and Riker before they went to the Delta Quadrant. Obviously. Uh huh. I think. Ugh, I really do believe that he would say like, screw you, Kazon, we're not giving you anything. Um, like we'll give you we'll give you aid, but we're not gonna give you technology. I think I think that conversation is gonna happen real quick where I think what you uh, what I meant was when I said I was like, don't think that's gonna happen at all is that he would offer water, but then the Kazon would say like, yeah, but we want the technology that you have. And it kind of happens the same way that with, with Janeway. Oh, right. And then Picard will have to say, look, now you're just getting greedy and we can't do that. Yeah, and I but I think all this would happen on the ship. I, I think mm. none, like because it because it's TNG, this conversation would happen via view screen instead of in person. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay, so then ultimately, what does he do with the Kazon? Does he disable them? I don't think he does. I think in this TNG version, I think the Kazon get the better of him. I think the Kazon spank him a little bit, like they do the saucer separation. And because <laughs> we've got to have that feature in the first episode, right? Because we've got to have that feature. Here's the thing that I, I, I'm I'm battling this a little bit because I feel like Picard would choose to stay because of the Prime Directive. Yeah. But at the same time, if it was a TNG, you have so many families. You got the saucer sep- section. Like you got to right. get home. Can he really, through just the blink of an eye of one decision? condemn them to a life on a starship for the rest of their lives natural born lives but the thing is though is that the d is a perfect vessel to do that with where the intrepid is not a galaxy a galaxy class starship in the delta quadrant would be so much better suited and fit because they've got schools for the children they've got tons of shuttles they have a gigantic shuttle bay that we have never actually seen on screen so you can justify the limitless shuttles (laughs) (laughs) true true i mean in that sense yeah they are equipped to handle this kind of a mission i kind of wonder if picard would say okay the caretaker's dead he can't do anything it's really not our place to interfere with the okampa or the kazon Let's go find the caretaker's mate. We know she's out there. That is our other route home. And so they start out maybe with that mission. They're out to find her. 
and see if she'll get them back home. I like that. So maybe we get like a two-parter. Yeah. And okay, so then do you suppose they find her <gasps> fairly quick? I Okay. Yes. I think if this is TNG, we're talking 1987. With the two-parter? Yes, yeah. Yes. that's Because Encounter at Farpoint was a two-parter. So I think that's what would happen is that I think you'd have episode one and then maybe just a part two would be like six months later or three months Ooh. later or something like that. Oh, I which like would it. Have been... So they've been out there for a little bit. They've seen some strange and unknowns. Mm-hmm. And then they do find her. What happens then? Which would have been crazy for, at the time. Like oh, in yeah. 1987, that kind of distance between two episodes would have been crazy, but not out of the realm of possibilities. Now, if we were coming into this and saying this is what Picard would do and this would be their season one journey or their entire show, no, that's not what would happen. Mm-mm, so we're kind no. of battling what would Picard do versus what would 1987 TV, Ber- yeah. Berman and Roddenberry and Pillar kind of do, that kind of thing. I feel like that's kind of a best of both worlds. I feel like Picard would... Because the Kazon pissed him off, like he would destroy the array and talk with the Okampa and say, like, this is what we recommend you do, but we got to leave. We got to get out of here. Yep. Yep. And I feel like Picard would also have, at the end of part one now, a speech to his crew. Hey, we came out here to explore strange new worlds. Well, this is it. Yeah, this is it. And so we're going to find her and that's what they're going to do. And we're going to find the, the, the caretaker's mate and they do it like right away like i mean time passes part two that's what they do in part two then they get home okay so we know suspiria is kind of this evil lady who's not about to help him is that going to be different in this (sighs) two-parter i think that's interesting like what do we do with suspiria like yeah like she went away for a reason i feel like we would explore that a little bit like maybe she disagreed that kind of keeping the Okampa in this infantile state was doing them more harm than good. I feel like she would believe that. And so then that's going to make Picard kind of wonder, oh, did we do the right thing back there? We can't go back. Maybe you, could you go back there and sort this out for us? Or I don't know. I, that's a big question mark. I think, here's what I think would happen. Yeah. Or what I, what I would do if I was in the writer's room. I'd have Neelix and Kess be with them for part one, I like it. Like you, they would be there. Like same kind of story. Like Neelix and Kess are there for part one, and they're there for part two. But the thing is, is that they don't meet Suspiria first. They meet Advanced Okampan first. Like the oh. the Advanced Okampan are there, and they're seeking out the Enterprise D because Suspiria told them to, and said, "This ship killed my mate. It's your job to wrangle them in for me. Figure out what what's going on." And so. They have kind of like a, a semi-battle. They're at odds uh, with each other where it's the D versus the advanced Okampan. Kess negotiates peace and then maybe lets them know like, hey, you have brothers and sisters on the other side. Like you, you have the brothers and sisters way back there. Yeah. And maybe that's when they go, wait, Suspirius told us that they're gone, like that they're no more. That They like, died uh, with the caretaker. Yeah, or s- something like that where it, yeah. ma- it makes the advanced Okampan doubt Suspiria and then with the D and, and the Advanced Ocompan's help they're able to defeat Suspiria or like shoo her away the Advanced Ocompan's are free they say oh my gosh we're free of Suspiria that was weird uh, we're gonna go <laughs> back to to the the Ocompan homeworld 
the the yeah the the uncommon homeworld and teach them our ways and they're like oh and Picard's like okay that's cool that's a really great story but how do we get home and they're like oh you can use our array <laughs> or something and like then that. boom they exit stage left and then the advanced Ocampans are going to kind of work as mentors, maybe to getting the Ocampans left on the Ocampan homeworld kind of up to speed, bring back their true capabilities. And protect them from the Kazon or show them how yeah. to protect themselves from the Kazon. And Neelix and Kess would stay in the Delta Quadrant. I agree. Yeah, they would not become permanent cast members. Nope. Kess would be one of those leaders and like kind of bridge the two people. She'd be like she an ambassador would. and Neelix would just follow Kess. <laughs> yeah and i mean he's got some connections he'd have some friends along the way to i don't know bs with whatever totally cool now yeah. with this being tng this being like kind of the first episode of the very first season somewhere in season seven we would probably hear from kes again in a future episode how are they doing what happened or maybe suspiria makes her way to the alpha quadrant that kind of thing oh for what I don't know. Retribution, a thank you, what's going on? Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think that's that's probably definitely our most intricate storyline of what a captain would do. But honestly, in <laughs> yeah. order to really articulate what Picard would do and how he would do it in 1987, I think it would have to be something this involved. It would have to be like that. It would have to be a two-parter and he would have to take the third road. Given two bad situations or two bad options, he would find another way. That's what Picard would do. Okay. Now, this is, if you guys are thinking like, oh, this is way too crazy or way too intricate for 1980s TNG, have you seen Farpoint? Have you seen how ridiculous Farpoint is? Yeah, I don't think this is ridiculous at all. I think, really, we are, the whole caretaker storyline, I mean, we are talking strange new worlds. It's one of the most basic components of a Star Trek episode. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not that out of reach. No. No. It's just they're very far away. <laughs> so, Cisco. Cisco. Deep Space Nine. Yes. How How does this work? Yeah, this is tough because, okay, one, I don't remember everything that we said about Cisco if he were commanding Voyager, but a season one Cisco is a fairly broken man. He's lost. Now, do we do season one Cisco or... Do we do the you know season where they get the Defiant? I was just thinking, what if we don't do season one Cisco? Let's go to another thing. The Defiant gets pulled over. I love yeah. it. It's right about that time, too. Okay, yes. And here's the thing that's crazy. Yeah. Is that they do the same thing. Like, they're in the Badlands, same situation. They get thrown in. And so, instead of Voyager, it's just, it's everybody on, everybody's on the defiant. Um, the defiant for some reason yeah. this is very reminiscent i think of time's children or children of time children of time yeah children of time uh-huh, uh-huh. uh this might be a cop-out this might be a cop-out but i feel like cisco would because using this as precedence or precedent i feel like cisco would say we gotta stay we gotta do this this is our mission now we gotta get home the best way we can but we can't do this to these people because the prime director says this, this, and this. Like, we made friends with the Ocampans. These are good people. The Kazon are going to destroy them. We can't let that happen. We've got to strand ourselves. But Garrick is on board. <laughs> what for? I don't know. For whatever reason. But Garrick is on board, and he's the one who forces them to go back to the Alpha Quadrant. 
Okay. Again, what for? He robbed Cisco of the decision. Because just like future oh. Odo robbed Cisco of the decision in Children of Time. Yeah, okay. I kind of dig it. Where again, this would probably be a two-parter and it's an interesting way to kick off, I don't know, season 3 where the rug is pulled under Cisco. It's not his decision. Garrick does it because he knows Cisco can't. I mean, mm-hmm. does Garrick really need to adhere to a prime directive? He's not a Starfleet officer. So he's doing it for what selfish reason? Because he doesn't want to stay in the <laughs> in, in the Delta Quadrant. He's like, this is bullcrap. So he's doing the dirty work because no one else can. Right. And the thing is, though, we have to do it in a way where no one finds out it's him. He disguises what happened because of a technical technical error or because of a subspace wave or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but we, the audience, know that it was Garrick all along. And maybe maybe one person finds out, like maybe Bashir finds out. And Ooh. and then is he sworn to secrecy? Yeah, like does like does Garrick give him a good enough reason for Bashir not to say anything to his captain? That's tough. That's really tough. I feel like Bashir would have to. He would be obliged. But what if it was Cisco who figured it out? Cisco can live with one secret like this, where he he knows that Garrick did it out of the best interest of everybody. Nobody else has to know this. It, it you know, it's what, between okay. the two of them. But then maybe there's a caveat here where he makes some sort of deal with Garrick. The secret is safe as long as X is in place. What whatever that is. I don't know yet. Well, the only thing that I can think of is if we move the timeline to be post in the pale moonlight, where mm. Garrick does it, Cisco finds out. And Garrick says, you owe me. And Cisco can't do crap because Garrick is right. But but is he? I mean, yes, but no, because Cisco never asked him to do it. It wasn't a favor. No. Do you re- no, do you re- no, do you remember what happened in Impale Moonlight? Where like Garrick is the one who bought yeah. like who who ki- who assassinated the Romulan oh, and Cisco yeah. lived with it. Because he said, he's like, I can live with it. I can live with it. And the reason why he didn't expose Garrick is because he would have been exposed as well. And and Garrick says, like, listen, I did this Romulan thing for you. I also did this for you. And if you expose me, I expose you. You're right. You're right. You're right. That would be enough for Cisco to say, okay. Because both of them look bad if they're exposed. Why would he do that? Because it's damage is done, it's already happened. Right. It, like you can't undo it. And then like maybe that's when that's when he tells Garrick, he's like, if you ever do anything like this to me again or to anybody else in my crew, it doesn't I don't care if I get exposed or not, I'm nailing you to the wall. Three strikes and you're out, essentially. Which I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if I like involving Cisco. No? It doesn't feel right. Cause I don't want it it feels like it's it's copying in Pale Moonlight too much. Well, and, and I, yes, it's the same thing. Yeah, but it, like I, don't, I, don't I like can it. see a conversation between Garrick and Cisco where this has to stop. It's yeah, it's, I think it's just too similar. I'd rather not involve mm. Cisco. I'd rather, I'd rather either go with the, my original thought of no one except the audience finds out that it's Garrick, uh-huh. or Bashir finds out and then is sworn to secrecy because of some reason. I feel like the former is a little more clever. Okay. For us as an audience, it's our little secret with Garrick. I like that. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you. 
It's a little more personal. And then that way, another Starfleet officer is not held accountable and drops the ball for whatever reason. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't want another Starfleet officer to do that. And so I think this is very much within Garrick's character because if you look at In a Pale Moonlight, you know, he assassinates the Romulan. And you also look at, I can't remember the episode, but they're at the Founder's homeworld and Garrick's trying to bomb the homeworld with quantum torpedoes and kill all the founders. That's right. And he's just like, you don't understand. We could totally do this right now. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, really of anybody, Garrick would be the one to do this. So he is that logical choice. I think we've got enough for yeah. a solid two-parter to say kick off, I don't know, season three. Because by season four, then we're getting involved with the Klingons and that whole thing. And yeah. so I kind of feel like season three, we just got the Defiant. That's the time for this. Yeah, like they, they, they had a, this isn't their first mission with the Defiant, but it's like their second or third kind of deal. Yeah, like I don't feel like we would be kicking off season three with it. It would be probably like the November sweeps two-parter yeah. instead like of past tense, which I love dearly. It would be something like this. Yeah, I like that. I think this is, yeah, this is good. This is solid. Okay, cool. So that takes care of DS9. Shall we jump now to Disco? Yeah, this one's going to be tough. Yeah, it really is. Okay, so we agree, though, that we're going to go with Pike. If we're going to go with Pike, here we go. This Actually, this might not be tough. This might be the simplest one. <laughs> oh, yeah? Do tell. Pike in Star Trek Voyager. Basically, that's the show. There you go. Like, I feel like... <laughs> He's... You know, because he is like the most sound and ethical Starfleet captain, right? He's the epitome of what that stands for. He probably would end up saying, look, we can't just leave these people to die. We have to do something. We didn't ask to be involved, but we're involved, just like Janeway said. And he would stay. And number one would have his back. So anybody who would object, screw you. I think honestly, I think this is what it would be. <laughs> okay, that wasn't hard at all. <laughs> that wasn't hard at all. I th- I think it would be Captain Pike at the Adventures of the USS Voyager. But you oh know, oh my the, gosh. The, okay, so then there's just a bunch of shenanigans. Like, how is Michael going to s- just get overly involved in everything in the Delta Quadrant? And oh my gosh. Because <laughs> because that's the way disco storytelling goes. Saru, being an alien, is going to encounter a whole bunch of other new aliens. Is he's going to mm-hmm. be- become like a first contact specialist? I don't know. Well, I mean, essentially what we're what people think that we're going to get in season 3 of Discovery is very Voyager-esque. Like, like like all of us have said like, "Oh, that's kind of like what Voyager is." Yeah, definitely some parallels there, but we're doing it with season 2 to have Pike. Mm-hmm. Or again, you could break it down even more and this this really could just be Disco season 3. This is how yeah. presumably maybe I don't know, you would kick it off where they have that potential to get home because Voyager did this too. They had chances way too early, blew it, and then no. Or like we do the whole thing where like Pike would like, yeah, basically this would be Discovery Season 3 and Pike would just allow Saru and Burnham to stay behind (laughs) with, (laughs) you know, because of the caretaker stuff. But yeah, I think if if it was Pike in the Enterprise... It would be exactly how Janeway did it. If I it think was, so. if this is a discovery show, then what would happen is we would see maybe Enterprise and Discovery were pulled into the Delta Quadrant, and they're like, one of us can go home, but one of us has to stay. And, and they of decide, course. and they say, okay, Enterprise goes back, and we stay behind with Discovery, and then we have season three, which is like season one of, of Voyager. 
Yeah, yeah. right? That yeah. sounds pretty good, yeah, I think. more or less. Yeah, we're ignoring the whole thing that Discovery got, you know, pulled itself into the future, but to suit these needs. Yeah. This is, they're just getting pulled to a massively distant part of the galaxy instead. Right, 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 right. Okay. Well, I think that covers it. I think that covers everything, folks. Uh, I think this is uh, this is what we think each captain would do in that situation. Like, yeah, you know, we started with season one, episode one, with most everybody, but of course we had to fudge it as we went along. That's just what you do. That's what we do. Uh, but uh, if you think anything different, please let us know. Send us an email. Go to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. And uh, tell us what you think Pike would do, what you think Kirk would do, Picard, Cisco, Archer, anybody else that you can think of. Like, I know that there's some s- crazy Jellico fans. What would Jellico do? Hey. I don't care. But send us it anyway. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing spawned from like a Captain Garrett. What would she do thing? Let's hear about Captain Hernandez or Captain Ransom. Throw us your ideas. I'd love to hear them. Captain Spock, Captain Riker, all those kind of things. What the hell is going on? Yeah. What the hell is going on here? Yeah, those kind of things. So let us know. You can also find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our show account is at Join Nerd Party. You can find me personally on Twitter at The Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. Now, next week, we're not going to be lost in the Delta Quadrant, but it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. So please tune in because we are going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.